Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey, golf. The game is starting, everyone is here. I got my snacks, my friends, and a beer. Just two normal guys hanging out, having fun. Right, guy number two? Yeah, guy number one. Single, double, triple, home run. Welcome back to the We Like Sports podcast. Once again, we are joining you. I am Peyton Vince alongside the Tasmanian devil, Riggs. How you doing, everybody? That's a joke. It's not really the Tasmanian devil, but maybe we'll explain that one day. And we're joined, as usual, unfortunately, with Pete. Man, fuck you. Well, we all love each other here, so. ELE, everybody love everybody. ELE, that's rule number one. Don't you have a Flint Tropics jersey, too? Jackie Moon, baby. Yeah, you fucking idiot. And I'm coffee black. Love me, se- <laughs> love me sexy. Oh, <laughs> uh, well... Starting off on that note. Can we just do a podcast on that movie? Oh, God, no. <laughs> so back to Sugar Dunkerton. No, <laughs> Old strategy, Cotton. Let's see if that pulls off. That's the wrong movie. Different it's movie. That's the wrong it's movie. Pepperfield. <laughs> I tried. So anyways, before we get started, why don't we end up plugging our social media? So anything social media-wise, you can check us out on our link tree, which is L-I-N-K tr.ee backslash we like sports that'll find your twitter facebook instagram where to find our podcast on apple spotify stitcher you name it it's on there and also our patreon as well so we also have a voicemail line as well that voicemail line is as followed the number is 216-395-4561 and that will be your We Like Sports voicemail line in which we can hear your thoughts, anything that you want to talk about briefly. We do have a voicemail line. So, again, it's 216-395-4561 for the We Like Sports voicemail line. And, again, any social media-wise, we'll go to our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash We Like Sports. But after we're done with that, just had to do a little bit of house cleaning, I guess. I don't know. That's something like that, I guess. Anyways, here comes the sports topics. The thing that everybody came here for to the We Like Sports podcast, ironically enough. So first and foremost, we're not going to touch much NBA today, but I do want to bring up the fact that Bronny James, Bronny Jr., I don't really know what he's going by anymore. I know that Bronny and LeBron aren't the same exact names, but like, they are the same name. They are, Junior. but it's like a nickname, and like LeBron said that he wants Bronny to be his own person. So right. They instead of Le- LeBron Junior, they call him Bronny. So, anyways, uh, Bronny Junior ended up competing against LeBron James, Senior, I guess, or we could just say LeBron against his old high school, old alumni, St. Vincent, St. Mary. Um. Yeah, and Bronny Jr. actually ended up making the game-winning basket. It wasn't a buzzer beater, but with like 40 seconds left, he ended up coming off the bench. It was a clutch shot, and he won the MVP of, of the game as well. So going a little bit further, though, I mean, he's a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. already getting this coverage. Sounds a lot like his dad, LeBron. How special do you think Bronny Jr. will be 
obviously you're talking about a completely different player. You have a point guard with his size right now, and you have LeBron that's a small forward now. So overall, how special will Bronny be? Will he be better than his father? What What are your guys' thoughts? Um, From what I see, he – I think the, the, the generation and the times have changed. I don't know if he's going to be better than his father or equal to. Um, I do see a little bit more athleticism, uh, you know, a little bit more athleticism from this young man, his son. Um, how old is his son? What, 16, 17? I think he's 15. He's, he's freshman 15. year, yeah. Okay, well, he hasn't even hit his grown man body yet. You know, he he hasn't. He's not. He's not even fully grown yet. Right, so and that can also go in, in either direction. So. You know, like he he's gonna get he's gonna get better. I I th- I think LeBron's status is pretty much untouchable. Um, I think that you have LeBron and Jordan in a conversation, and then nobody else is even close. So to even talk about a fourteen-year-old, whether he has, you know, James blood in his veins or not, I don't think that it's logical to even talk about him reaching. LeBron slash Jordan status. I just think it gets brought up just because his dad was kind of like the widely covered like high school player that didn't have to go to college. And by the time Bronny ends up getting out of high school, that rule is going to be null and void. They're not going to have to worry about going to college anymore. They don't have to go through the one and done. He could come straight out of high school. He'll go straight, straight pro. So I believe that it's just weird how much of a comparison the two are. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time. It's unbelievable that, that a father is like his son. <laughs> In a way, because, I mean, if you look at any athletic, like, father-son duos, they're, there's, they're good duos, and there's also terrible ones. Yeah, like Michael Jordan and his son. No one talks about that. His son was garbage. I mean, and like, there's so many different ones. Like, we could spend, like, a bunch of time. I just don't have a lot coming to mind right now. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey uh, Sr., for example – father-son duo that was pretty good in the baseball perspective um i'm trying to think of more negative ones but mannings like, the mannings like oh yeah the yeah, archie. yeah yeah archie i think his two his two boys literally ended up passing them up easily oh, early yeah. on but there's so, like it's not always guaranteed that you're gonna end up playing like father Exactly. That's why I, I don't think it's fair to, to put him in that conversation yet. That can also bring a lot of pressure to a young man, too, because, you know, you have high expectations. Your dad's the greatest basketball player of all time. Like, yeah, when your dad was 20 years old at this time, he did this. Well, you know, you're he's oh, not his he's father. Gonna, he, yeah, you're right. He's going to get compared his entire career. Mm-hmm. And the, the stat lines at like yeah. at this point in his life, especially if he comes out right, right after high school, because LeBron did as well. Yeah, so, that's going to be a lot of pressure. A two-part question kind of wrap up, like, the Bronny Jr. like topic and the only NBA topic for the day. Do you guys, A, think Bronny Jr. and LeBron have the opportunity to play at all? And, like, what I mean, I play, not, like, that. general manager or, like, owner, but, like, player-player. Like, if that's a possibility. And I think Le- if – Bronny Jr. ends up getting his own line of shoes early on. I personally think Bronny Jr., when he ends up getting out of high school and he has the eligibility to end up getting drafted, I do see him as a Cleveland Cavalier because I feel like the Cavs are going to be bad until then. And I do see maybe LeBron's coming back, and that could actually be not only historical, but 
it could actually be kind of like, I mean, like kind of like the point that you end up getting the legendary player, LeBron James, his son, that could be possibly just as good. Um, Passing down the torch to his kid. Yeah, in Cleveland. Or giving his son an assist as his first bucket. You know, here you go, son. Pops gave it to you. Oh, baseline J from dad to son. It's it's an extremely um, far reach to consider that a possibility. Um, I do think that it's possible, and I do and I do think that LeBron is holding out to play at least in the league with his son. In the Lakers, he's only signed to four years, so he's this got is year two, 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 two more years after this. And I think he has an opt out too for one of them too. I think his last year, or it's his, five years, his, and he has an opt out. His, his, his fifth year is, is the op, is the option year. So like. Just the amount of possibilities, like it's it's definitely the possible. future is going to be interesting, and I hate using that saying because it's so cliche sometimes, but it's definitely going to be interesting. Le- LeBron, I feel like I feel like he's going to hold out as long as he can to try to play with Bronny, yeah, or against him at least. I mean, the amount of like, can like you imagine headlines. Can you imagine LeBron blocking Bronny. His first <laughs> kind of like sit down, when, son. Like, he was like ten years old, and LeBron's like full size, and just like blocking him off of a dunk. Oh man! But if he ends up blocking him off the backboard, kind of like he did, uh, Steph. He, he wasn't or, it Iguodala? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, Iguodala. So, man, anyways, moving on from the Brownie talk and the NBA talk, um, let's talk NFL. Do we have to? Um, yes, we have to. Um, we're not really going to bring up the fact that the Browns lost, but we're going to bring up the fact that the Browns, before that game against the Cardinals, stated that they are going to stick with Freddie Kitchens, barring a horrific collapse. So essentially, they're staying with him as head coach. And is Jarvis Landry? Out. Is Jarvis Landry not telling the coach on the sidelines that's fucked up? Fuck this. Is that that's, not a that's, collapse? That's what he said? Yeah. I knew he said something, but I caught it at the very ass end. That's ridiculous, man. That is that not a collapse when, you're, when you're, your team doesn't want to play for you? I think Freddie Kitchens lost the locker room as in as a coach, as in someone they respect, someone that I can even trust on the field. Your primary job as a head coach is to be a damn leader, to lead men. And the, this group of 53 men – Want nothing to do with Freddie Kitchens at, at, as a coach. I mean, Kareem Hunt even pointed it out in the post game press. Conference everybody gave up. Cardinals. Everybody gave Not up. Not everybody gave one hundred and ten percent. And when your own player mentions that, why do you want to keep that man around as head coach? Right. I think we would all agree that the Browns would be better off if they end up, unfortunately, looking for another head coach again for like the eighth time within the last. Everybody, 10 years. Uh, uh, people preach continuity. And in this case, I don't see that that benefits the Cleveland Browns. Just just keeping a guy to keep a guy to say that you kept a guy isn't going to get you W's. True. But they did the same thing with Hugh Jackson, and look what happened with him. I felt yeah, like, you you were 1-15 and got worse. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like with Hugh Jackson, they kept him because they're like, oh, his mother just passed, and I think his brother just passed in the same year. Okay, well, let's keep this man busy. Oh, this might motivate him to do better. And then what happened? Like you said, we crapped the bed for two straight years. I uh, watched Freddie uh, Kitchens' uh, press conference, and he said, you know, I'm not worried. I'm so sick of watching him talk. He said, I'm not worried about my job. I'm just trying to get better day after day. Screw getting better day after day. You need to get better 
for one whole year. You need to get better to win for the future, not take it one day at a time. You sound like Sashi Brown, our old general manager. You have one of the most talented teams ever put together. Yep, what's the excuse? And this is just proving that Freddie was in, in, in way over his head. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why Greg Williams wasn't given another chance, a shot. He was very aggressive. He was to the point. I felt like the players he respected was five him. Two. Yep. And your offensive coordinator, whether that be Freddie Kitchens that were, was calling the plays, he was better off suited in that position. Whether Although that was he was, or not. he was still running Hugh Jackson's offense. But they looked like they were running it better, and it looks like, like you said, the leadership thing. It looked like they actually were. They were all geared towards a leader, and they were. I mean, Demarius Randall was when they played against Cincinnati. He literally picked a ball off and handed it to Hugh Jackson. Like, that hey, was my favorite moment in football. Like, that was what amazing. Happened. You suck. You're at Cincinnati. You suck, and you're a terrible coach. You don't see that anymore. You don't see anything like that. You don't even see Demarius Randall the, wanting to play for the Browns. Honestly. Uh, what Demarius Randall? He got left home from the on the uh, Pittsburgh trip. They didn't even too, bring him. I heard he said it was too cold to practice. Yep, that was. But if you end up having a shitty but that's coach, the team though, giving that up excuse. on him. Yep, that's the team giving up on Freddie. Um, I mean, you have it's it's broken and it's beyond repair. You need somebody that's going to come in and develop Baker Mayfield. You need somebody that's going to come in and recognize the fact that you have two of the top five backs in the, in the NFL and utilize them to their full potential. Nick Chubb is leading the NFL in rushing yards and is hardly being used. Yeah. You're not seeing enough carries in like a whole entire game. You're seeing half a game with it, but that's about it. He's averaging like 11 or 12, 12 carries a game. The dude should be getting 20 to 25. Yeah. I seen this meme on Facebook. It was a play from Madden, and it was the four verticals play, and it said, "This is the Browns." Yeah, the entire Browns offense. Exactly, but Kareem now Kareem Hunt, but uh, Nick Chubb's still in the uh, field. Nick's still running four verticals. So, just because I know the aggravation level is there for both you guys, we're gonna just take a pause from the Browns, and we're not done talking about the Browns necessarily. But I want to change gears. My heart rate's too high. And, Pete, this is kind of a question more so geared towards you because you actually played the game of football before. But um, Shout out my Cobras family. Dak Prescott ended up screwing up the coin toss. And when they ended <laughs> up winning <laughs> the coin toss, he elected to kick instead of deferring. And they had to kick to start the game and after halftime. They ended up winning the game, but I never knew that that was a well, thing in existence. That, that's a, that's oh, a new rule. rule. It's it's newer, like within the last 10, 10 years. So now there is a choice in the first half and a choice in the second half instead of just one choice. So it used to be where you flip a coin. If you win it, you choose to kick or receive, and then the other team gets the opposite in the second half. Mm-hmm. It's not that way anymore. So the way it works is you flip a coin, whoever wins it, you can choose to kick, receive, or defer. 110% of the teams today defer because now uh, say you and I were, were doing a coin toss and you won it. You would pick in the first half. I would pick in the second half. It is literally such a stupid rule because it ends up working out the same way. Um, But if, if you – defer 
then that means that I, I get the uh, choice now. For the first half. Meaning that I am going to choose to receive because you're obviously going to receive in, in, in the second half. Right. So when, when Dak Prescott chose to, to uh, kick, he they used their, their choice on kicking. So now the other team is going to have their choice in the second half. And, they and they're going to choose to, to receive. Yeah. So with the way that that, that rule changed – by saying kick and saying it first, um, that's what allowed them. Well, th- th- that's that's what made them kick off twice. Because like I, I, I obviously saw that it was a tongue slip, and like yeah, obviously like that's the first time that you end up like seeing that because like that was like I mean even like CBS like media guys were making fun of Dak Prescott. Literally said like you, he screwed up, like he had an idiotic moment, and like. That happens, like, but like you, you like we all know what he meant. We all know what he meant, but like I'm not, I'm not gonna crap on Dak for it. That rhymes. (laughs) No crap, Dak. Crap on Dak. One's a K, bro. Anyway, I'm not good at English. Anyway, that that's kind of how how that how that worked out that way. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, and also kind of funny. At least they won (laughs) the game, though. Yeah, true. Speaking. Oh, oh, when I think of like a, a coin toss gone bad, I remember this was a long time ago. I want to say it was the Seahawks, and they went for the coin toss, and somebody said amongst the words, oh, I don't care. We just want to win. Give us the ball, and they end up losing that game. But I want to say the Seahawks were involved in that. That's kind of funny. So speaking of other losers, the Browns once again. Shut the fuck up. Will you please leave? Um. So I want your guys' opinion on this one just because, again, Jay Glazer ended up stating the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. still wants out of Cleveland. At this point, who's actually telling the truth? Is Odell Beckham Jr. telling the truth in which he wants to stay and Jarvis is backing him? Or is Jay Glazer or the media actually telling the truth here and actually reporting the truthful thing? It seems like you're you're not getting the full story either way, and you don't know where the report's really coming from. Exactly. Odell so, Odell wants out of here. I I I don't know what to believe, he, man. He's, he's made it he's made it blatantly obvious, especially on 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 the field. Um, I will say the only time that look in the Cardinals game, Odell had this really nice crackback block. Um, but when when I looked again, he was blocking for Jarvis. So his boy. Um, I made I made sure to uh, pay attention to the next couple plays after that, and Odell was not running the routes as hard as he could. No, he was. He really wasn't. And he's not getting open because of the lack of effort and the lack of heart that he's displaying, and it's killing me to even say this mm-hmm. because Odell is. Still, my favorite receiver in the NFL, um, and w- when we traded for him, and that and that that popped up on on my phone that Odell Beckham was a Cleveland Brown. I don't know if that I've ever had a happier moment as a Browns fan. True, that, exa- that was that was the trade that made me feel like this is it. This is it's turned around. Yeah, and I feel the exact same way on that situation. And I, I just this all comes back to Freddie. It really does. So if he ends up heading out of Cleveland, fired, canned, whatever, maybe oh, even Freddie? you end up – Yeah, like if he's gone, does Odell Beckham Jr. stay? I would hope so. I think that you have a shot. A better shot than what – But I don't know if it's too tarnished. 
Hmm. I don't know. Isn't it the most Cleveland thing ever just to have that kind of situation in which you get a star player and then it's kind of like in basketball. If the Cavs ended up getting Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant just did not give a shit. That's the best comparison. Literally, I guess you would say. Th- this is like getting the the Golden State Warriors in these last five years, last three years specifically. It's like you have two of the top five running backs, you have two of the top ten receivers, you have a first overall Heisman winning quarterback. You you have no reason. No reason to not be extremely successful. Oh, fortunately, it's not there. Who knows? You have no reason. You be just lost by three scores to a three-win team, and the Cleveland Browns are healthy right now. Jeez. Yeah, you're without Miles Garrett and and Vernon. But that, but that mildly, that was their own. That doesn't make you lose by three scores. Yeah. I mean, obviously it has a part, but it doesn't have as huge of a part. I mean. Even when you're losing by three scores, even if you had the two and players, you're going to probably end up losing by at that one or level, one and a half. At that talent level, I really think that the the skill between a first stringer and a, and a backup, I don't think that it's this gigantic gap that everybody thinks that that it is. And that's what, also why I'm kind of okay with, letting o, o, with, with trading Odell because you can clearly get assets for him. But I don't. Uh, you had a higher production value with Jarvis and uh, Higgins last year. Yep. I mean, even Callaway before he was smoking pot. But that that that's kind of going on. What I'm saying with the, with our <laughs> d- defensive ends, like Miles Garrett is an, an elite talent, but our the, our backups aren't scrubs. No, they're not just dudes off the street. These are NFL level players that should be able to get pressure on a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I figure after like Miles Garrett's been out, what's his name, Nate uh, Schobert or whatnot on our Joe team, Schobert. Joe Schobert, that guy is a beast. That he he. You want to get on that topic? You want, you want to piss me off more? Because well, two years in a row, he's leading the, the, the NFL in tackles, and John Dorsey says that he's willing to let him walk. Damn. This is, a, this is a contract year for him. His contract is up this year, and Dorsey has not made a single phone call to his agent. He has made no efforts in keeping Schobert here. He said that he's willing to let him walk. That's bullshit. That dude, I, I'm just now starting to notice who this man is. I'm like, man, this dude's aggressive. Man, this dude's he's quick. Getting, one game he, he's getting yeah. turnovers like crazy. He is... One of the only guy who guys who are consistently tackling, which a big knock on him has been his tackling. And I don't understand why this guy is making open, open field tackles on guys like Joe Mixon and st- sticking with uh, Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake. And he he's been he's been playing at an elite level all year. He is making his name heard in a contract year. That man's is gonna he's gonna get paid somewhere. I hope it's here. Also, another topic I want to mention is the fact that Drew Brees on Monday Night Football against the Colts, ironically in a way, passed up Peyton Manning for career pass touchdowns. That's my boy. Um, So he's leading right now in uh, most NFL passing touchdowns. Peyton Manning is at 539. Drew Brees is at 541. 
Tom Brady is at 538. Looks like Tom Brady's going to end up passing up Peyton Manning as well. Um, I guess the safest bet is, before I end up getting into Drew Brees' stat line for that Monday night game, who ends up holding the all-time record when it's all said and done? Is it Breeze or is it Brady? Because they're going to be neck and neck. Um, they're only three Bree- passes apart. Breeze because Breeze has more years left than Brady does. I like that answer. I really do. That's also, yeah. also they're they're a style of play at at this point. Like Breeze is still slinging it like just like like crazy. He threw thir- thirty times yesterday, which I I think you're waiting to talk about that stat yeah, line. Definitely. Okay. Because I'm about to go off on um, that, um, but I I don't think that I think that Brady's developing more into a West Coast quarterback. Damn um, West Coast offense! I haven't heard that in a while. So it's Colt McCoy probably for your Browns. Fans. Yeah, no, um, shut up. Yeah, because he couldn't throw a ball past twenty yards. Um, All right, um, thanks, Sashi Brown, you little bitch. <laughs> also, too, with the Drew Brees, he also has Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, Kamara, and Tom Brady. His, I don't even think he has a number one wide receiver. Well, it's Julian Edelman, but I haven't That's seen any. It, but I haven't seen any trust there lately and then, when it comes to Edelman and Brady. They're all for, defense right now. Oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah. It was Belichick was a defensive coordinator. Was it Demarius Thomas or somebody else. Yeah, Demarius Thomas. So mm. they ended up getting him. Well, they signed him off a waiver, I think. But they ended up making a trade for a wide receiver. I know they got Muhammad Sanu. Oh, Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, yeah Muhammad Sanu. So overall. Just your like Michael Thomas is a star wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's well, Tom Brady doesn't. He's about have to break that. the record for most receptions in a game yeah. or in a season. And Tom Brady doesn't have that, so that's another reason why I think Drew Brees is going to end up holding that record as well. But as we go into the stat line for Drew Brees, he was twenty nine completions and thirty attempts. Damn, three hundred and seven yards. Real four touchdowns. I can't even do that in Madden. I can't even do that in Madden. A completion percentage of 96.7%. He's the GOAT. And last but not least, he completed 22 consecutive passes. Which is four shy of the all-time record of most completed passes of breaking Yeah, if he ends up completing five more on his next game. Is it four more or five more to break the record? Three more ties, four four more breaks it. So, I mean, like, oh, it's ridiculous. Like... It's literally it's video games. It's but video games enhance. It's better than that. Yeah. It, it's it's the mental reps. It's the studying. It it's knowing defenses, knowing your guys where they're gonna gonna be. It is what the Cleveland Browns don't have, and it's discipline. True. Exactly. Drew Brees wants it. Yeah. Sean Payton wants it. Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara, they want it. I mean, Drew Brees alone literally said that he would rather give up the career pass touchdown re- records, his most completion yards in a career records, all those records, which I could keep on going on and on. It's a long answer. Because he's the greatest quarterback of all time, the most underrated player ever. Exactly. But he's willing to give that up for a ring for his team. That's good. And, and, that's a team player. And that sacrifice. And when a lead, a great leader, they sacrifice for the best of the team and themselves. Devil's advocate, it's easy to say that stuff once you got the records. Mm, okay. Also, too, when you got the team. Right. And then I just – I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Drew, I want to, I feel like I will see Drew Brees win another championship in my lifetime and before he gets out the door. To he he he, he he's such a great quarterback. Like, like just, even when you hear his pregame speeches to the offensive linemen, to his wide receivers, they they're all connected. They're with him. He says something, they repeat it right back to him tenfold. That's a leader of a team. And what you said, Pete, there's discipline. Is there anything else to really add about Drew? Brees? Oh, yeah, and it's crazy how week two, Drew Brees injures his thumb, and the team never missed a beat. I, I was absolutely right, and I was and I was scared. I was like, "Uh oh, Drew, Drew's down there goes their season," and then just Bridgewater is no scrub, by the way. He should be the Bears' next quarterback. I'm sorry, Mitchell Trubisky. That's a Ohio guy, Ohio quarterback. I don't he want him. The, he doesn't deserve the starting spot for Chicago. All right, they want Cam. They might want to look at Cam. That even makes sense too. There, there's, there's gonna be the a, NFL quarterback situation could change by the time twenty. Bridgewater is gonna get paid. This offseason, he proved himself. Nick but, Foles got paid. But, and Bridge, I would take Bridgewater over yeah, Foles any day of the week. Um, anyway, that's a foundation that Drew Brees helped establish mm-hmm. an aura, um, a mindset that Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees established down there. Um, and, and something that Bridgewater was able to, you know, take hold of and, and build on. And yeah, Drew Drew Brees missed five games, five games this year in literally the same season. Had a completion percentage one game of ninety six point seven. You round that up, ninety seven percent completions. That's a good percentage. I'm not good at math by any means, but that's a good percentage. If I got a ninety seven percent on the test, that's an A. It's literally, it's literally unbelievable. Like, it's not even like. The point that it's fantasy, it's literally like you could literally go into like Wikipedia and edit his stat line, and that would that's they just the practice so much. That. They they just practice so much that I and I'm not just saying this for like a play on words. Like they could literally probably do it blindfolded. Yeah, it's they're that they're that efficient. They are the most efficient team in the NFL. Riggs, do you have anything else to finish up about the Drew Brees topic over? Overall, or? I just want to say that I hope the Saints come out of the NFC. So are you hoping that the Saints come marching down? you damn right. I want to see them play in February. That's somebody, too. And we were ended up talking about the Super Bowl. We were talking 49. The Saints kind of have been forgotten about for a minute. Yeah. And how messed up is the way that, that the playoff brackets work? That the 49ers are now fifth seed. Yep. What? And they're, they're going for 11 because, with the Seahawks. Because the, the Seahawks now are winning that division. They are they are number one in, in the NFC. So literally in a week's time, the 49ers went from having home field advantage throughout the playoffs to now guaranteed not having a single home game in the playoffs. Don't you don't don't the first team get like a first round bye or something like that? Yeah, first yeah. round bye and home, home field advantage. advantage. But, but right now, all their home field advantage teams, though, like overall, it's all up for grabs. You have the Green Bay Packers, you have the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I'm surprised the Packers. Hawks, you have the 49ers. They all have all the same record. Yes. It, it, but it's, then it comes down to head to head and whatnot. Right. But the way that it sits right now, the 49ers at 11 and 3 are a wild card team. Wow. Ridiculous. And if, and if it ended today, they would not have, even if they went all the way. They would not have a they would not have a home game 
in the playoffs, and they would also have to play an extra game than the uh, Seahawks. Well, moving on from NFL to college football. So I want to hit on the fact about for the Army-Navy game, usually it's a game that's kind of like there's not too much buzz around it just because it's kind of like Army-Navy, but Navy actually was ranked in the top 25. And Navy had their quote-unquote quarterback, Malcolm Perry, rush for 304 rushing yards. He had no pass attempts. And again, he's a No pass attempts? No pass attempts whatsoever. And he's a quarterback. I could understand, like, running the option, but I don't understand how you don't pass the ball at all. There was a pass attempt, though, don't get me wrong, but that was from one of the wide receivers or running backs from a trick play. That was an eligible receiver. But I don't understand that. How are you a quarterback, but you end up running? Like, I understand that there's, like, a Lamar Jackson player or Russell Wilson at some point or Kyler Murray even. There's so many different like varieties, but the fact that you end up not having a single pass attempt from your quarterback, but you still have a pass attempt from a wide receiver or running back, that again, speaking of video games, just like Drew Brees, I would agree that it's the same thing for the Army-Navy. So, I mean, Malcolm Perry, congrats. You're a quarterback that ran for 304 rushing yards as a quarterback, and he had no pass attempts. That's crazy. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually like uh, clueless on this on the subject and the matter of the game that that we that you just spoke about, Peyton. You know, I'm just like I'm sitting here trying to imagine like how how does that happen? Good blocking, I guess. True, true. <laughs> I, I that, was, that was the guy on Navy. Yep. Did they win? Yeah, they won. They ended up winning <laughs> by a lot too. It was like twenty four seven or something. What? That means they could do that all day. So like, if they were ranked, obviously. I'm not going to like kind of like act like a Navy expert whatsoever, but if they were a ranked team and they're in the top 25, were they in the top 25 because their quarterback had the ability to do this? Or is it more so like obviously defensive wise, if you look at the box score, but that's crazy though. You had a ranked team. Honestly, if Malcolm Perry, if you are declaring for the draft declares a running back, do not declare as a quarterback because that's not going to work in the NFL. No, no, he'll get laughed out the league if they try to make him a if he tries to go into a combine as a quarterback. I won't see that happening. I mean, old Michigan quarterback Denard Robinson was smart enough to move to running back. Mm-hmm. That dude was so good in college. So, so I wonder if he if he what happened <laughs> right. I wonder if he made it to college playing quarterback. I know in high. I'm pretty sure I was told in high school football they make you play both sides of the ball. Yep. Well, it depends on where where you go. Where you at? Yeah. Okay. I so where I went to high school at, you played both sides of the ball. At least the majority, like the quarterback was playing like either safety. cornerback, safety, or else like middle linebacker at times too, I think. But yeah, oh, damn. So like, but I mean, it's just such a weird thing. But moving on from that topic to more so kind of more of a topic that we're all familiar with, the 2019 Heisman Trophy, Joe Burrow, um, a former Ohio State player that transferred to LSU. Quit trying to claim him. I'm not trying to claim Quit him. Quit trying to claim him. I'm just saying, though. I'm Ohio. so sick of you Ohio State fans trying to claim Joe, Joe Burrow. So is it, I'm not here. You're a Notre Dame fan, right? Where are they at in the college football playoffs? I'm even, not talking about that at ranked? all. I'm saying quit trying to claim Joe Burrow. But are they ranked? The last wow, time they were relevant so, was probably Brady Quinn. 
So hey, watch your fucking mouth, please. First of all, that's not true. Second of all, why are you trying to bring up a topic to go go go, go against me here? I'm not even talking about the the playoffs at all. But you ended up coming at me though. That's the thing, because you're Ohio saying- State fans in general. They're trying to claim Joe Burrow. He's wearing an LSU jersey. Y'all didn't want him. Regardless, though, he didn't even take a snap for you guys. Oh, then yeah. He was still playing. Don't we do? I don't think I got the got the Heisman. Shut up. Hey, no, he didn't. And technically, he did have a snap. He had like five snaps. So if you really want to get specific, he did take a couple snaps. But he was a backup quarterback. Ohio State product. But anyways, he ends up winning the Heisman Trophy out of Justin Fields, Chase Young, um, Joe Burrow himself, and then um, what's the other quarterback from Oklahoma? Jalen Hurts, probably. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Wasn't he in the Heisman talks then too? Yeah, he was. A so finalist. out of those four, was Joe Jaylen Burrow? Jalen Hurts is so good. Was Joe Burrow the right choice? Oh, ten out of ten, absolutely. It was a landslide. I'm. No. I, I, I didn't. I didn't even know they gave out the Heisman award yet. I, I thought they right. I, so this is news to me. Um. Okay. Well, and this is also news news to you. Um, Troy Smith's record was broken. Of the most first place votes, uh, have gone to Joe Joe Burrow in the history of uh, Heisman v- v- voting. I know it wasn't like ninety nine point one percent or something. Yeah, so um, three, I think three votes went to Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry, not Jalen Hurts. Um, Justin Fields or Chase Young. Chase Young. Um. Also, going on to the next topic too. Do you think Chase Young, which is he's a defensive lineman for Ohio State, do you think if he wasn't a defensive player that he would have had a chance or a better chance or even won the Heisman? Chase Young? Yes. Um, I think that if he didn't have to miss those two games that you might be talking at, uh, I I think that, that, that Chase Young, as far as a football player goes, is, is the best player in the country. Um. However, I do think that the year that Joe Burrow had, it's undeniable that he gets the Heisman, even even if uh, Chase Young had those those two extra games. Um, it's just not a it's not an award that's built for a defensive player. It. Um, it's, why do they end up having him be like a nominee? That's the thing. Because well, he's that, a beast. That's, that's amazing in in itself that that he did produce the stat lines to. Be in the conversation. That is amazing. Right. Chase Young is an amazing talent. I mean, even out of like somebody that would be comparable, like a Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa. He's more he's they better. Were, they he's weren't better. ever in that talk though. So I he's would better. say like that's definitely the credit that he ends up deserving. Um I guess that's about it from hitting on college football. We're gonna end up talking college football playoffs in the future when that time ends up coming around. Maybe we might end up previewing it next week. We'll end up finding out. But just to move towards I'd love to argue really quick, with you about that. I know you would, Notre Dame, Notre Dame boy. Notre Dame boy. I wish I could speak. That's part of this thing that we do. <laughs> but uh, so we end up interviewing Nick Cothrell. That's a writer for the Angels from Fansided. He's coming up in the next few minutes. But before we end up going into the interview, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on the Indians trading away Corey Kluber. With Corey Kluber officially gone and $17 million off the books, 
do you see the Indians signing somebody, not necessarily like huge, like extending Francisco Lindor, but kind of signing and kind of spitting up that money either in chunks or kind of maybe like a Yasiel Puig that's still a free agent. I like the fact that you say they cleared up $17 million off the book so you can spread that money out and pay guys who deserve to be here or you can try to sell the farm and make Lindor stay here and keep him happy. But the one thing I can say about Corey Kluber, a great player, Texans, uh, uh, Texas Rangers, you're, you're at least a guarantee more than 10 to 15 wins uh, I just hope Kluber can stay healthy. You know, that was my only thing about the man. I felt like his pride and his ego and, and just his competitive nature, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, my oblique hurts today, but guess what? I owe it to my fans in this city to go out here and try to give them a solid good seven innings or even maybe more. But I don't know. I just I just hope that with, with when one door closes, another one opens for us. Um, they definitely have cleared up m- money to spend. Um, I'm just really afraid that they're going to do it in a irresponsible way. Well, like I'm going to give you guys a couple of targets that I could maybe see that would be reasonable for that $17 mm-hmm. million. So you could have Brian Dozier that used to play for the, t- the Twins and then ended up playing for the Dodgers for a while. Um, you could end up bringing back Josh Donaldson that well with yeah. Atlanta had a huge year. He actually looked like the player that the Indians wanted back in 2018. Uh, you could end up bringing back Rajay Davis. I don't think you want to do that. If you do, maybe like $2 million if that. Yeah, it's playing with my heart bringing back Rajay Davis. I just think about the World Series when I see him. Oh, or man. else you end up – you have the possibilities of Nicholas Castellanos that played for the Tigers – and went to Chicago. You have Yasiel Puig still. Um, and then kind of for like your DHs, you could have Edwin back, which I would probably avoid. Yes. My two choices for DHs would either be Mark Trumbo or Kendrys Morales, which if you had to, I'd probably end up saying Mark Trumbo just because you kind of eyeballed him a while back. But let's just break it down this way. If the Indians end up signing somebody, what position should they end up target- targeting Outside of second base, obviously, because they need somebody for Kipnis. Who ideally would you end up trying to like have come in, and what position? Uh, some outfield. Outfield has to be your your focus because right now you you have Mercado. That honestly it. And you have Franmil Reyes too, but okay, I mean, he's also out of shape right now. Very, and you're. Everybody else is like part timers at best. Um, I I really think that uh, that you have to be focused drastically on outfield. Riggs, what do you think? I mean, that, that that's why I was when you're saying that question. That's why I was thinking. I'm okay. Well, first base. All right. Well, we have catchers. Pitching's okay. Second, okay. That's a mystery. Third base. Okay. Ramirez can come back. Lindor is a question there with shortstop. And I, I was thinking about outfield, too. And I'm thinking left field. Okay, what about Michael Brandt? Oh, he's not here anymore. Okay, nope. what about center field? Okay, and then he brought up Mercado. Okay, valid point right there. Don't need to bring that up. So it's I, – I would say focus more, more on outfield for the time being. And, like, I'm trying to see anybody from, like, starting pitchers-wise, 
I don't see anybody from like not only do you not need it, but I'm also not seeing any names that would actually be appealing to me. If anything, if they had to like go with the pitcher, I'd say maybe Dallas Keuchel or the possibility of Felix Hernandez, but Hernandez you're going to end up paying a lot of money for. Other than that, I mean, Matt Harvey maybe, but he was a Met and he ended up having kind of a downhill spiral. I really don't Damn, know. Matt Harvey. I really don't know what you would end up doing with that money. But, I mean, let me ask you one more question, baseball-related. So, with the trade, they gave up Kluber. They received Delino DeShields, that's an outfielder, and they got Emmanuel Clase, that is a relief pitcher that throws in a 100-mile-per-hour cutter. Like it. Pete, what are your thoughts? Um... I trust them. Uh, I'm scared, but I trust them. Uh, I really wish that you would have traded Kluber last year. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Um, yeah. I really think that your return on him would have been double, triple the value that you just got. Um, but he was coming off injury, so you can't exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. People and, would be suspect, and he's that. also another year older, and all all that stuff. Um. Yeah. I trust their talent evaluation on this. That's all I'll say. I like that. I like that answer. Well, on that note, we're going to end up heading over to our sponsor. And after that, we're going to end up having the interview with Nick Cothrell, again, a writer for Fansided. And he's also a writer for the Angels, along with many other baseball news, too. So we'll be right back on the We Like Sports podcast. Welcome back to the We Like Sports Podcast. At this time, I'm here with our guest, Nick Cothrell. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Cothrell with a C41. And he's also a writer on fansided.com. And today we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Angels. Nick, first and foremost, do you want to say a little bit of background about yourself before we get into the questions? Yeah, so um, I'm a writer for fansided.com. Uh, like you already mentioned, I write predominantly about the MLB and the NFL. And then I also contribute to the uh, Oakland Raiders blog for fansided called Just Blog Baby. So you'll find all my work done on uh, those two websites. And uh, my actually my most recent article was on how the uh, pitching market's starting to heat up after – you know, Cole and Strasburg have kind of um, anchored the top of the market. So kind of the second dominoes to fall. So, and the angels definitely will be heavily involved. I'd assume. Gotcha. Well, awesome. Well, why don't we end up just jumping right into the angels as a whole? Um, so pretty much a few weeks after the season, I mean, uh, like at least like regular season, it was in October, the Angels ended up agreeing on the fact that Joe Madden will be their new manager and replacing Brad Ausmus, and this was way early on. What were your thoughts at first about Brad Ausmus being the manager? I mean, overall, I hate to say it, but I don't think he's the greatest manager. But I, I think you're actually seeing an improvement with Joe Madden as the new manager for the Angels. What do you think? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, anytime you you hire someone of the caliber of Joe Madden, you're instantly going to upgrade the ball club. Now, I I kind of think uh Osmus kind of got a raw deal, you know. He he was only here for 
in Anaheim for one year. He had a lot of a lot of injuries. Even last offseason, the Angels still really didn't do much to improve the pitching staff. They brought in Matt Harvey and Dallas, or I'm sorry, and uh, Trevor Cahill, who are on the backside of their career. But ultimately, when you have the opportunity to bring in someone like Joe Madden, you do so. There, there's, there's no. That's just that's what you do. That he his track record speaks for itself, and he has shown he, when he was in Tampa Bay, he can compete with small assets, a small market. Then he goes to Chicago, and he takes the Cubs to a place from their franchise. So he he shows he he can handle he can handle his business in every aspect. So I think that was a great hire by Artie Moreno and Billy Epler to get him back in the Angels uniform. And, I mean, I'd be silly to think that he, um, his fingerprints aren't all over the Rendon signing. So I, I think in the long term, that it's going to be a great hire for the Angels. Okay, perfect. And before we end up getting into the Rendon talk, you mentioned the pitching. In your opinion, is Shohei Otani more of a helpful bet or more helpful at pitcher? Because originally, like, obviously he was the two-way player, and this is the first time you're seeing that happen in the MLB, I believe, ever, if not in a long time, probably in the days when the uh, Frank Robinson was the manager player, player manager and whatnot. So do you think Otani is better off as of right now as just a bat in the lineup and playing DH or pretty much playing out in the outfield, or do you think he's better off as a pitcher? I mean, there's no denying his his bat his bat is just as impactful. But with the Angels so thin at pitching and what he possesses, you know, 96 to 99 fastball, his splitter, I mean, might be one of the nastiest splitters I have ever seen. And he his composure out there, he when he's on the mound, he gives the Angels an opportunity to win. And that's what they need. They really haven't had that ace where they start the game and they know we're getting six, seven quality innings from a starter since Jared Weaver's prime. It's been years. So I think his his most impactful asset is going to be from on on the mound. But that's no. There's still no denying his his presence in the batter's box. It's it speaks for itself too. He's he's the ultimate two way player. Okay, perfect. Um, well, we end up moving on, though, talking about Anthony Rendon. He ended up sending a huge contract last week with the Angels, and now you're pairing him up with Mike Trout, and you're kind of starting to see some money being spent. Probably not the end of spending the money, but that's alluding to whatever happens in the future for him. But how much improvement is expected for the Los Angeles angels with the addition of Anthony Rendon now? I would expect a, uh, a ton of improvement, no doubt. And when you, when you pair up a core of Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani, and then Joe Adele, one of the, one of the most anticipated um, prospects the angels have had in recent memory, that that's intriguing and all those guys will at least be locked up under contract for the for the next four seasons so that's intriguing from um a lineup standpoint but you know you you still have to they're still gonna have to do some stuff on the mount or 
it's it's gonna look like okay did did Artie Moreno pay Rendon all this money and there's still not a playoff team you know I think the Rendon signing is gonna be very very impactful but in order to get full value for this the Angels have to continue to go all in and bring in not just one, probably two arms. Because as of right now, they're still not a playoff caliber team. And Nick, as you mentioned before, I mean, you brought up the pitching earlier on. Um, What do you think the Angels can do to improve pitching? I mean, earlier on in the week, on Saturday to be specific, they were in talks with possibly getting Corey Kluber from the Cleveland Indians, which they can't do now because he's on the Rangers. But what can the Angels do to yeah, improve you know, pitching overall? They they definitely have uh, have themselves capped to a certain extent with uh, obviously the Rendon contract, Trout's cost and high dollar, and then the back end of the Albert Pujols. Um, it's kind of put them in a financial bind. So they might have to um, – obviously you still have Ryu and Keiko out there who are t- two arms that a lot of teams looking for pitching help are going to – kind of lean towards but also the trade market you know um i've read some multiple reports on uh potentially the angels could be interested in trading for robbie ray as well as uh trading for matthew boyd from detroit so i think uh matthew boyd could be an interesting interesting get for the angels he's still young he's coming pretty solid year and um he might be able to give you give you a little more. So if they can kind of package something like a trade for Matthew Boyd and then sign like a Dallas Keuchel, I think that could be a good one-two punch at the top. Then you also have like Otani to factor in, and it can kind of stabilize the rotation uh, for a little bit there. And then who knows, if they make a good enough run, maybe before the trade deadline they, they go back out and they, they look for uh, one other arm. Gotcha. All right. And I mean, as you mentioned before with Albert Pujols, I mean, he got signed. He was pretty much the first player, one of the first ones to get signed to a 10-year contract. Um, how much long do you think Albert Pujols ends up sticking around pretty much in MLB and I guess with the Angels? And how much longer do you think he's actually going to be productive too? Because I know he's on like the tail end of his career. He's doing a little bit better than Miguel Cabrera, I'd say, from Detroit. We'll kind of have the same similar contract situation, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Albert definitely by no means is he the same player that that he was um, even the first couple seasons with the Angels, let alone with, with St. Louis. You, you see regression. He's had constant injuries with his plantar fasciitis with uh, multiple stints, putting him on the injured list. So, he, you know, I, I kind of see him – Maybe even hitting behind um, like Trout, Otani, Upton, and then and then Albert, also with Rendon in front of him. So, you know, maybe he he's not asked to do what what he has been in the past. Those maybe that can help elevate a whole lot from him just at his age and this point in his career. All right, so on Saturday with the Angels in talks with Corey Kluber and the Indians at the time before they made the deal with the Rangers, uh, do you think the Angels, when they pulled out on Saturday night, which seemed rather quick, do you think the Indians' asking price could have been Joe Adele, which is their pretty much number one overall prospect for the uh, Yeah, more often than not, it probably was for uh, Joe Adele. I also know that the Angels have – they they kind of hold uh, Brandon Marsh, who's another one of their top prospects, close to them, and that's that's another name that very well um, they could have been targeting him, Cleveland, and um, 
I'm not surprised the Angels said no to Adele. I think Brandon Marsh could have could have been an interesting piece uh, to move on from. I think the only thing that was holding the Angels back was they didn't want to give up a top prospect and then uh, you know get Kluber and he's injured again and that's back to back years. As we know, he was injured last season. So I think if there was probably no injury concerns with Kluber and he was just being himself. The Angels probably would have bit the bullet and and moved on from not so, not so much Adele, but maybe another package with with some more other their more talented prospects. But I I think the Angels probably did the right going elsewhere for pitching, just because Adele's upside I mean is off the charts. You know he I I kind of I kind of look as a kind of like a Tory Hunter type. He's gonna be your 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 doubles your doubles guy. He has decent speed, pretty darn good defensively. So, you know, he, he has a lot of upside. So I'm not surprised that the Angels held on to him. They've been waiting for him to come up for quite some time. Again, Nick Cothrill joining us on the We Like Sports podcast. Nick, before we let you go, thank you first and foremost. But why don't you give the people where they can find you on social media in case they want to follow you for any fan-sided uh, writing news or else just any angel Yeah, you can find alone. me on Twitter at Nick1 and then all my work done um, baseball-wise on fansided.com. All right, perfect. Nick, thank you once again. We really appreciate it. And, I mean, not even speaking as an Angels fan, just seeing the disappointment and going through being a Cleveland fan for pretty much the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Indians, I do understand that it does get disappointing. But hopefully that bright light is around the corner. Yeah, they got an interesting future. We'll see. And, again, that's Nick Cothrell 41 on Twitter for Nick Cothrell's Twitter. Thank you once again to Nick. But that is it for the We Like Sports podcast for this week. We will see you guys next week once again. A little bit behind, though, due to Christmas, so it's going to be recorded a little bit early, but stay tuned. So we'll see you guys next week, and if we don't talk to you before then, have a happy holidays. Can you smell? But We Like Sports is...